1: Go to Norway. Go to Norway? Yeah, I, I would go to Norway. I, I would go to Norway. So, here's the thing for me though: like the really far north, the really yeah. like the the sparse and like very pretty but very like cold uh, area. I would like to like see that. I'd like to maybe visit for like a short period of time. This is another one of those places where I'd go with like a group of people to like a cabin for a week, whatever. Like that'd be fun. But like any real amount of time spent there, I feel like would have to be. Uh, in in the the bigger cities, have yeah, to be. like like Oslo, or yeah, it like Oslo, yeah, like Oslo. just like I grew up in a in a cold, dreary place, and like if you're gonna live in a cold, dreary place, there's like there's got to be some form of excitement. It can't just be nature. Not for me. Yeah. Not for me. Like you know what? If that's your thing, like, yeah. I respect it. I do, but it's not for me. I, you know, um, so
0: I went on a couple of dates with this girl, right? And uh, this, is, go on. this is this is a while back. Uh, <laughs> I know. Right? Uh, and so, in great detail, um, mm-hmm. it, no, she was super cool. She actually had a really awesome Zelda tattoo, which was nice. really cool because I also have a Zelda tattoo, and yeah, so that was like a like a thing. And uh, she was really cool. I've known her for a really long time. We finally decided to go out on a couple of dates. We went on a couple of dates. It was fun. And then she was like, "Hey." I'm moving to Ireland. And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, like, because of, like, Ireland has this very weird, um, or I should say this very unique citizenry thing where, like, if you have a, like, you have to be... Like less than one generation removed relative to a to a, a citizen of Ireland, and huh. that grants you citizenship as well. And I forgot what it was. I think it was like her mom or her aunt or something like that, or maybe her grandma. It was like one of those like immediate yeah. family members was a citizen of Ireland. And she was just like, yeah, this was just before um, 2016. So this is just before Trump became president. She was like, yeah, fuck this place. Yeah,
1: she was smart. Like
0: She was like, I'm moving to fucking Ireland. So she moved to Ireland and, you know, I I see her post pictures and stuff like that. And I I keep seeing, she lives just outside of uh, Dublin. Okay. And I keep seeing all these photos and I'm like, this, this is the fucking life. Like she's in a city. She's got a really nice city area. She travels not that far and she's just right on the fucking bluffs and cliffs and oceans and green and, and nature thing. Like she's got she yeah. has the best of both worlds. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I know that Ireland uh, is is was part of the UK is part of the UK.
1: Depends not on where in UK. Ireland you are. Northern Ireland is part of the UK.
0: Northern Ireland is UK. So, like, I don't exactly know how the government works there. I mean, obviously, it's got to be cool. I know that she was at one point working for, like, eBay, but I I don't think she does that anymore. Um, But, uh, like, she was, like, a marketing person or something for for, uh, that. But I see those photos and that's, that's what I think. Like when, when you're like, oh yeah, like I still love cities. Like I am a city person. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the idea, you know, when I think about uh ride, the Eagle, the, the, the episode we did yeah. uh, last week where he's like out in a cabin and stuff like that, I'm like, yes, that would be dope. If target hmm. was like 10 miles away from it, <laughs> then I'd be like, yeah, like let's fucking go right now, you know, but like traveling hours to a like a city like a metro area i'm like nope, nope that's, that's really not for me
1: that's how i see the pacific northwest like seattle and vancouver like yeah. that area because it's absolutely gorgeous even like even i enjoy being there uh for like the views and for the, the beautiful nature uh now i'm not gonna go fucking hiking but like park <laughs> on the side of the road and look at the mountains yeah sure that's dope as shit yeah uh, right um but like, you have these bustling metropolises that uh, have their own like unique character and culture. Stuff like that. So that's that's how I view that area. And it would be the same for me if I were to travel, uh, I, I mean, I guess literally anywhere else. i I'd have to live in a city no matter what. But uh, I, I do find it appealing to be not far from those kind of breathtaking views.
0: Yeah. I You know, the, the only thing that I think would sell it for me... Uh, like living in like a camper or something like that is if I was constantly awoken by mischievous goats <laughs> And that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of a Podcast I'm your host Michael Vight.
1: And I'm a mischievous goat <laughs> so, <laughs> Yes, yes you are
0: uh, um, <laughs> I, It's true, I have seen Caleb eat a boot once before So this is, this is a very true story um, so we're, we're back. We're continuing on our, our indie darling, uh, uh month here, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, nothing but the goods. Uh, yeah. and I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll be honest. I'm surprised that after four years, because we're, we're past the four year mark at this point. We really are. This is our first Jenny Slate movie, to my knowledge. I think you might be right.
1: Now yeah. I've I've watched a ton of shit with her in it, and like, totally we have together watched things with her. Like she was in, you know, what is arguably the the greatest of the uh, non Marvel Marvel movies, and I, yeah, I am referring to Venom. Yes, I mean, <laughs> all right, that's that's
0: that's an entire episode worth of debate. Right? <laughs> Where, where's Casey and Todd? We need that. <laughs> I need some backup here,
1: (laughs) (laughs) but and of course also known for a lot of her voice acting. Um, Yeah, I'm a huge fan of uh, of Bob's Burgers, and there's a a a similar show also set in a a cold far northern place called the Great North, and she plays one of the the characters on that. But uh, for for a lot of us, probably best known for her role as Mona Lisa. Yeah, and Parks and Recreation.
0: Yeah, don't be suspicious. <laughs> don't be suspicious. Yeah, because she's uh, what's his name's uh, brother? John Raffio. John Raffio. Yeah. <laughs> she is the worst. Oh, I love that show. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love Jenny Slate. I love Jenny Slate. I um, you know, have seen her in a lot of things. Um, there is, uh, I gotta find the name of it. She has this, uh, had this animated, uh, thing on Star vs. The Forces
1: of Evil? Oh, wait, no. Oh,
0: well, also that. Great show. <laughs> Juniper and I watch that show actually a lot. It's actually a really, really good show. Um, uh, which is really nice. It, she has this really old thing and I can't remember what it is, but, uh, it's, it's like about this little, I think it's like a little, um, Marcel. Yeah. Marcel the Shell with Shoes. <laughs> um, so it's this old, it's like this old YouTube thing and it's an animated thing. It's basically a shell with googly eyes painted on it with shoes the- and she does the voice of Marcel and basically it's Marcel like walking around like a house and being like, That's adorable. hi, th- this is how you, this is how I get up on here. It- it's cool. It's the cutest thing in the world. We'll link it down below, but it's absolutely adorable. Like some of it are super cute. Um, she's, uh, I just... Huge fan. I mean, she has one of those very recognizable voices. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, um, who else? Like uh, I'm trying to think of like I'm pretty much any of the Bob's Burgers characters. But like um, Kristen Schaal is another great example that like yeah, you hear her voice and you're like, oh yeah, that's Kristen Schaal. You yeah. know, like you know, right, you know right off the bat. Um, like Eugene Merman is another person that like you hear his <laughs> voice. H. John Benjamin. Like, all the Bob's Burgers characters, really. But, like, you hear their voices and you're like, I, I know exactly who that is.
1: I wish I could do a passable impression of any of them.
0: Of any of them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so she's actually. Uh. Um. Uh, Jenny Slate is actually uh, recently in a in a uh, pretty popular rom com over on uh, Amazon Prime called I Want You Back, uh, which stars her and Charlie Day. Oh um, yeah. Which is yeah. Which is really cool. I I haven't watched it yet, but I heard it's absolutely amazing. Um. But like Gina Rodriguez is in it. Like Scott Eastwood. Um. Uh. Manny Jacinto. Like there's some really really cool people in it um uh clark Bacco, um who I- is awesome um i th- oh yeah i worked with clark uh on a movie you would um, she was awesome i did i i did i just said it <laughs> out loud um yeah i worked with Cl- uh, clark on a movie she's awesome super funny um but anyways so uh, but again i'm surprised this is our first jenny slate thing she's she's wonderful yeah
1: yeah yeah i, I um and, uh, honestly, like having only really ever known her other for her, uh, her voice acting or for like supporting roles, uh, it wasn't so much that I was like, can she carry a lead role herself? I was just, I had never seen it. So I was intrigued to see it. Uh, yeah. Also total aside, I just was looking at the movie you were talking about, didn't realize that Clark Bacco was, uh, from Letterkenny. She's Rosie. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Go on, uh, yeah. get
0: out of here. <laughs> get You get out of here. <laughs> so uh yeah, so the movie we're talking about, if you're unaware, is called The Sunlit Night. Um, uh, so this movie came out in 2019, actually. And I do remember seeing this, uh, like ads for this and, and promos for this. And I remember watching the trailer and uh being very interested in it, not only because of Jenny Slate, um, but because it just looked really interesting. But this movie actually has a tie to another episode that we've done. Oh. Yeah, and that's because the director of this movie, who is uh, David uh, Went, I would assume, or I don't know how to pronounce his name, because it's W-N-E-N-D-T, so I would Fucking assume it's Went.
1: Fascinating.
0: I don't know, Uh, but he is the director of the movie Look Who's Back, the one where Hitler uh, time travels to the future and basically becomes a famous comedian again and then takes over the world.
1: The one that was uncomfortably good.
0: It was uncomfortably (laughs) good. Yeah, it was one of those movies where you were like, I'm kind of... Like I kind of like this character. <laughs> like, <laughs> this this is dumb. Yeah, uh, great movie though. Absolutely great, h- hilarious uh, uh, commentary on the world. Uh, great satire. Fantastic movie. Uh, if you have not seen, uh, look who's back. Absolutely check it out and, of course, read the book uh, as well. But also, this is based on a book, uh, too, um, by uh, Rebecca Dinerstein, who uh, also wrote the screenplay for this.
1: I did not know that.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, so Rebecca Dinerstein? Dinerstein? Dinerstein. Dinerstein? Dinerstein. It's uh, Frankenstein. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, she she wrote the book uh, and then eventually adapted it to a screenplay with uh, the director, uh, David Wendt, um doing some additional writing. I would assume probably, you know, altering it for screen, uh, which Caleb and I are very familiar right now as yeah. we, we're on our seventh or eighth uh, <laughs> script revision <laughs> and we haven't even started filming yet. But that's how it is. That's, that's, that's a very fine. common thing.
1: Yep. Uh, now um, I also really want to read this book.
0: It is. I mean it was really cool. Yeah. I mean, spoiler, this this is a really cool movie. Yeah. Um, I would say this is probably the most indie drama film we've ever done. Because most of the indie films we've done have this quirky humor to them. And then there is a little bit of humor in this one, and it's really mostly just her dad. Yeah. But like, you know, we're like, uh, you know, this the Sunlit Night is very more like it is an art film. Whereas, like *Ride the Eagle* as an example, is a qu- it's a comedy with mm-hmm. like it's like a dark comedy, like a quirky dark comedy, you know, because of uh, uh of of him, you know, the way he writes and stuff.
1: Yeah, this the the kind of movie that like the way I see it, it, it doesn't really hit a, a genre so much as it just tries to live somewhere in the realm of reality, and like mm-hmm. the the characters aren't necessarily archetypal and there isn't necessarily a massive conflict or massive revolution it's just a series of moments that feel like they could actually happen and it doesn't matter if they resolve or not because life is messy
0: yeah and you know another thing too is the characters none of the characters really felt over the top Mm -hmm. except for Maybe Zach Galifianakis, who, by the way, is in this movie, but the best thing about it is that it's made very apparent that he is supposed to be like his character is meant to be over the top, but everybody else lives like very, like he said, it's very slice of life. Like, mm-hmm. this, these are just people you would know, you know, like mm-hmm. these are just people you would run into. Uh Which I think is pretty interesting. Um, So let's get into it. Uh, So content wording right off the bat, uh, there is uh, a lot of swearing and stuff in this uh, movie. I mean, surprise. Um, And there is nudity in this movie, uh, but all of it is done in artistic ways. None of it is, well, I guess uh, some is in a sexual way, but none of it's really done in like a raunchy way. Like it all feels very right, Mm -hmm. um, uh, in my opinion. So... Um, but it's, it's only a little bit, and there's no violence or anything. So the movie starts off, and we see a. I, I'm. I'll be honest. I'm not an art person, in the <laughs> sense of like I don't know art, you know. Okay. Um. So like I don't know styles of artists. You know, like I know. I know I could pick out like a Monet uh, above anything. I know I could pick out like a Salvador Dali above anything, or like a Picasso. But like anyone outside of maybe those three i don't think uh i could uh, i don't think i could put the i don't think i could be like oh that's totally in in the baroque impressionist style like i don't i don't know any of that stuff i i skipped those those lessons in school
1: that just made me think of a a, a ducktails joke uh <laughs> the one where uh the uh, scrooge loses the mansion and all his fortune and everything and they're they're like living under an overpass and the uh the butler uh duckworth yeah duckworth uh like someone makes a comment about the their their clothes being like shabby or whatnot he's like i call this broke and someone's like baroque he's like no broke <laughs> <laughs> oh ducktales humor um
0: as another aside, I think I've mentioned this before, uh, but there there is an episode of uh of Who Are You? Or, or I think the name of the show was, or where it was the one where people had to guess who the celebrity was. Oh. And it was this really old show, like from, oh, the, yeah, from yeah, like okay. the 60s. And Salvador Dali was on the show. Yeah. Or it was like What's What's My Line, I think it is, or something. And uh Salvador Dali was on an episode, and I remember the, the like contestant was asking him questions and she was like, are you uh, an artist of some type? And he's like, mm, yes. And she <laughs> was like, are you a writer? And he's like, yes. She's like, do you do film? He's like, mm, yes. She's like, do you paint? And he's like, yes and then the host was like okay well we're gonna have to just pick one and he's like but i do all of these things (laughs) (laughs) He's like, okay let's say he's more known for his art and he was like "Mm, okay i just thought it was really great for him to be like but i do all that asshole what are you talking about don't diminish me (laughs) don't put me in a box it is very dolly way uh that being said uh, uh robert pattinson actually played Salvador Dali uh, in a movie called Little Ashes. Of course he uh, And he's absolutely batshit insane in it and I love it. It's no. great. And it's basically just him and like three other like famous artist type people uh, in that time just in this like polycule like orgy do art do drugs be fucking <laughs> weird film for like two hours. Uh, and it's great but he plays Salvador Dali and it's it's awesome. So yeah. he's not the main character of the movie. He's just like one of the the supporting character because I think it's about somebody else. Yeah. But Little Ashes, definitely check it out. If At this point, you've already seen The Batman because The Batman came out like two weeks ago. Uh, So you already are like, oh, shit, Robert Pattinson can do things other than Twilight. And you're probably like, hey, I should go and look at other movies. Little Ashes is one of them Mm, that you should go look at.
1: Yeah. Uh, so the one thing that I'll, I'll say bef- before we get too deep in, into the movie, because I, I I know where you were starting to go with this aside about art. Um, I have a lot of good things to say about this movie. If I have a single, like, major overarching critique, it's that it it feels a little heavy-handed with the art metaphors. And, it, like, it it feels like it's entirely written by and for, like people whose entire world is art
0: like art nerds a hundred percent
1: now that it comes mostly in like in um jenny slate's narration and the imagery that they use like interspersing paintings to like to reference uh specific scenarios and people and places and stuff like that that she encounters there's a lot of like oh this reminds me of these like a mix of famous and obscure paintings, just to to make sure that you know that these people know art. Uh, and it it start like the first time it's kind of interesting, but when it keeps happening, it starts to feel a little pretentious. There, I got it out of the way. It's fine. It's a great story, and that doesn't take away from the story. okay, so <laughs> so
0: here's here's where we're going to uh, not disagree, but but have differ. I actually wish they did more of it. Oh, yeah. Because here's the thing. So, like, uh, as an example, when uh, after, you know, so we'll we'll get into the beginning of the plot a little bit. So uh, the very first thing we see is it's three art critics uh, basically just destroying this painting verbally. They're Mm -hmm. just like, oh, it it looks lazy. Like it's more than laziness. Like it's, it's ineptitude. Like, you know, it's almost like someone's like, it's like the artist is insulting me. Like, (laughs) like I'm mad about, like, it's making me, it's, it's really making me upset.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. I I can't look at
0: this anymore. And they're absolutely destroying. Uh, our main character's name is Fran, uh, who is played by Jenny Slate. And they're just, they're just ripping her apart on, on this art. And they're like, you know, afterwards they're like, do you have any questions? She's like, no thank you <laughs> and she leaves and you can tell that you know this was a huge blow to her right that she's obviously you know trying to to be an artist uh of sorts and and it's very like the art was um i don't know hopefully you've watched the movie but if you if you're unable to watch the movie uh, for whatever reason it's it's like a lot of like splotch like it's like splotches of paint everywhere I don't know yeah. I don't know what style that is but that's that's what it was
1: well just in in I guess more like lay people terms it's just it's extremely abstract it's just yeah, it's color it's, on canvas it doesn't it doesn't really have like exhibit a, a form it's not really Evoking any specific imagery. Listen to me talking like I know what I'm saying. I know. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but it really, it it really is just a mess of color. Uh, now that's to say that it, it's not necessarily bad or wrong in any way. It's just it, it doesn't feel inspired and it doesn't feel inspiring. It feels like something that literally anyone could do if they wanted. And for for anyone like if that's your style and you enjoy that. It's great. It's like uh, what was oh, uh, I was just literally just watching something where a woman says like I paint terribly, but it brings me joy. So it's great. So uh,
0: that's the so, rising eagle. Yeah, she says she's eagle. like I'm it's a terrible town. artist, but it yeah. makes me so ha- like uh, it brings me great joy to paint.
1: Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, th- this could have been a story of someone that that feels that way. They're like that just it brought her joy to make that and like. She just doesn't let the opinions of other people get to her, um, but that's not really what she's going for, and she does let it uh, affect her. But you know, she she you know, tries to to let it roll off, and she she moves on with her life. She knows she's got uh, she's uh, gunning for a um, like a a residency, an internship of some sort in Tokyo. To that effect, yeah. She, she's trying to get that, and uh, she's got this great, really solid relationship. That ends like yeah. thirty seconds later. <laughs> like literally,
0: yeah. She she's she's dating this like super hunky rich boy. Hunky boys, uh, hunky boys, my hunky <laughs> boys. Um, and uh, you know, we see them kind of flirting by the pool. We see them showering, uh, like outdoor shower, like you know when you rinse off like the chlorine water off of you. They're outdoor showering, and and you know she turns and looks at him, and he kind of like ponders and gazes off in the distance. And then the next thing we see is she's soaking wet, like sad looking on the bus. Uh, I'll be honest, to, to you know, up until she said it, I didn't, I didn't even think twice about the, her just being wet on the bus. I just figured I was like, oh, you know, she was flirting with her boyfriend. Then he was like, all right, bye, you know, yeah. like didn't dump her. Was just kind of like, all right, babe, see you later, you know, yeah. and left it at that. And then when she was like, oh, we broke up, I was like, oh that's what the bus was being wet on the bus thing
1: was. But I loved her, like her entire family, uh, her, her mom, her dad, and her her little sister who are all in this tiny little one bedroom Manhattan apartment, uh, which that, that's a, you know, a character in and of itself. Um, everyone's like, you know, he brought, he dumped you. Oh, I'm so sorry. She's like, why is that? What? (laughs) Why is that the go-to? Like, and her sister's like, I, I assumed you dumped him. She's like, thank you. But like, It's actually never made clear. Like, does she see him as, like, vapid and, like, boring and she dumps him? You know, but is she still sad about it? Or is he just like, eh, I'm not interested in people who make art that make me mad? Yeah, right, right. Um, He seems like the kind that art would make him mad.
0: He definitely (laughs) does, yeah. I don't understand this, so I'm mad about it. (laughs) This red's making me angry. I'm going to go do deadlifts or whatever. <laughs> um yeah, so the I mean her whole this is uh um this is the movie I wanted out of lemon. Like yeah. This is ex- like the great Jewish like family, you know that just are just fucking weird. And the whole movie, and they're just kind of, like, all sort of crazy, like, this is exactly what I wanted Lemon, like, how Lemon, that whole scene where he goes and he's with his family, like, that's, this is exactly the movie I wanted Lemon to be, and it wasn't. No. This, this was that, uh, and Jenny Slate, and you got Jenny Slate, too, and that was, that pleased me to no end.
1: Bonus.
0: <laughs> so... So she's back at her home, and we learned that both of her parents are artists to a degree. So her dad uh, was an artist, but he he basically went from being a cool beatnik artist to now he does uh, medical illustrations, and that's his job. Uh, his mom, her mom, same thing, cool beatnik artist, but then now she does um, like tapestries or something like that.
1: So basically it's like, it's art for interior design in like ritzy mansions.
0: Right. Like, yeah, she does like, yeah. Um, and, and so she, you know, she even brings up like, you know, I come from a long line of artists, like, you know, both of my parents are artists and she goes to the thing. She's like, but now we all live in this, you know, tiny, you know, one room Manhattan apartment. Uh, and you know, this, she's like, and she compares it to a painting and she shows, uh, this, this really famous painting. Mondrian.
1: The, yeah, the, the big rectangles, like very famous, like colored squares and rectangles.
0: Yep, yep. So she was like, the big big red block is, you know, the main part where my parents' bedroom is. This yellow square is, you know, mine and my sister's bunk beds, which we still live in and are still there. And the yellow part is the um, fireplace, which is the only place you can get some air. And you see the two of them out, uh, her and her sister sitting out there like... Getting some air, basically.
1: It's much cooler, but in like some very like interesting ways reminds me a bit of the basement apartment I read about in the very first episode of Possibly Normal, uh, which is currently available every two uh, every other Saturday uh, from Night Shift Radio. Yeah,
0: <laughs> definitely definitely <laughs> give that a listen. Spooky episodes. There was a spooky one that came out just a couple weeks ago. Actually, there was one that probably came out yesterday at this point. Yeah. Maybe. I what don't is know. what does time even mean? What is time? I'm pretty sure it was yesterday. It was a brand new episode. That would, uh, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, we, now we see her crazy family. Uh, her family, by the way, consists of one, uh, David Paymer, who is just, uh, absolutely great. He plays yes. Levi. Um, he, I mean, he's in such great thing. He's in state in Maine, which I freaking loved. Uh, he was in get shorty, um, the American president, uh, in good company, uh, but he is uh, Harry Drake and the Marvelous uh, Mrs. Maisel. So if you are watching that, um, he's also, uh, I mean, he's just, he's just been in a lot of really good things. Uh, he was also the doctor in Horse Girl, um, but he's also, uh, he's in Picard. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Maurice Benyon, uh, fun which fact. I still have to watch.
1: I confuse David Pamer with Ira Flatow a lot.
0: I can see that. Yep.
1: <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> I mean, they look similar. Not uh, not exactly the same, but they look similar. They sound kind of similar. Yep. I'm like, is Ira Flatow in this movie? <laughs>
0: yeah. No, no, no. I 100 percent see why you would you would think that. Um
1: I love Ira Flatow. Science yeah. Friday, motherfuckers. <laughs> Uh, yeah so so
0: this is you know the mom and dad and uh, so they're all sitting down at this dinner table and you know they're hanging out and and you know finally uh, they're you know they're sitting and eating and uh, the sister is like fumbling under the table and and uh, Fran is like, what are you doing? What do you have in your hands? And she was like, <gasps> and then she was like, oh my God and we learned that the sister uh, has has got engaged, <laughs>
1: uh, which is yeah. I'm sorry, I'm completely distracted by the fact that I found, yeah. like, somebody posted a, uh, a a collage of, like, side-by-side with the two of them. That <laughs> is <And> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> because
0: they were so much alike that other people have, have seen it. That's great. <laughs> and
1: I love, without any context, because this is a link to an article, without any context, you would assume that they found this picture of David Pamer, Painter and then he was like... Yeah, this is Ira Flato and just included it as a headshot. For <laughs> <it>. <laughs> and I really want that to be true. <laughs> oh, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. Uh, oh, that's right. He hosted Newton's Apple too. I always forget that. Yeah, that's exactly what happened because this is literally just an article about Ira Flato, but this is David Painter's uh, IMDb profile photo. I'm going to send this to you. That is amazing. Listeners, you're going to have to find this yourself.
0: Yeah, you're you're on your own. <laughs> As long as you know these people then you'll be you'll be good. Oh my god, that's great.
1: <laughs> that is literally David Famer's It is li- IMDb you know. profile headshot.
0: And it's and it's great because it's right next to an actual photo of him too. <laughs> like it's not even I mean there it is pretty uncanny.
1: It, it is, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty uncanny, but like that's it's just funny that like they're like ah
1: I don't know fuck it no one no one knows the difference no one knows the difference. you you can't tell I think best that, like if they were going to like they're going to grab a headshot Flato has a perfectly good headshot on TV because he, he's been on uh, yeah he's been a tons of things
0: <laughs> yeah I just that's great uh, anyway so the sister uh the sister announces that she's engaged T- and uh uh with Stephen
1: Glennie or something.
0: Stephen like Glennie, yeah. Steve, Stephen Glennie, and the or Scott Glennie. Scott, Scott Glennie, yeah, know, something, something like that. Like that. Something Glennie. And the dad was just like, "To Scott Glennie, really? You could do <laughs> so much. This is terrible." And she's like, "Dad, come on." And she's like, "Well, you know what? That's great because your mom and I are separated." And they were like, <laughs> "What do what do now?" <laughs> She's like, "What?" She's like, "Well, yeah, so there's that. Uh, you you can go off and, you know, with Scott Lenny, that's great because you're going to move out and uh because, you know, I'm going to move out too and this this house isn't going to exist anymore." And everyone's just like, "What the fuck? What is happening?" <laughs> and then the next thing we see is uh uh, uh Jenny Slate a uh, friend uh learning that she in fact did not get the Tokyo internship. But, but she is instead, yeah, she is instead offered an apprenticeship uh, with uh, this, this uh, kind of reclusive artist who she even says like, oh, it's uh, Niels Alberman or something like that. And, uh, you know, she was like, I thought he died. And, and the woman was like, you know, well, he's just, you know, so did everyone else, but he's just kind of out of the public eye. And I guess he basically exiled himself to the northern part of Norway. Um, where he has been basically commissioned to paint this barn. Um, What we learn is that he has been basically ripping through uh, assistants and apprentices uh, because he's, you know, seemingly so difficult to work with. He's a dick. He's the dick. Yeah, which he's not, though. Like, he is, but he's not. He's more just like cold and stoic than he is... Like, he's never really... Like, there's one instance in which he's mean to her, and that's it. The rest of it, like, he's pretty okay. Like, he's he's short
1: with her, but he's
0: not mean per se.
1: He's... He's as aggressively, like, mean as you can be without being aggressively mean. Like, he, he, he he doesn't... Like... He, he does it with his, with his silence and his, is very, like, you know what? It's very passive aggressive, I guess is really what I was getting at. Like sure. when she's trying to talk to him, engage him in conversation, he first ignores her and then he just like puts on music and yeah. like, he's just like very short, very snippy, very terse uh when he talks to her. Uh He, he warms up over time. He does. Uh, he does. Yeah. But in, in. Like I wouldn't say that he is he is actively or intentionally a dick. He is a cold, aloof kind of person, uh, but he knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah, I think it, it's clear from their first meet that he has zero interest, and he just needs her to do the work. Mm-hmm. And like she's like, oh, you know, like I I am a big fan of your early work. Like you know, I this is this is an amazing opportunity, and he's just flat out ignoring her because like <laughs> he has no time for her.
1: Flattery. I love what he's like don't don't use the word' amazing this is this is hard work you're gonna hate it.
0: yeah he's like you're this is full-time job seven to seven you're painting this man. And so the thing is is she's been commissioned to help him paint this barn, but they can only use the color yellow mm-hmm. um, And so that is like the big deal. So this is basically this big barn and he's gonna do the outside and she's gonna help with the inside and then uh, once this is it's actually a really funny. It's like one of those like funny, smart lines uh, in a way is he was like, yes, like when this is done, you know, uh, an art group is basically, you know, an art commission is going to come through. They're going to certify it. And if they do, then they're going to put me on the map. And she's like, ah, like put you on the map. And he's like, no, like literally put me on the map. And it's a map of Norway that points out specific art things to go see. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, ah, so literally (laughs) on the map. (laughs) I love it. I thought that was really, that was a clever little thing. Uh, so yeah, so she heads off to Norway, uh, you know, here she is, um, and uh, and this is where everything kind of begins. This is, the majority of the movie takes place in Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a lot of this is, it's hard really, like there's not really instances in which we're going to go like kind of one by one. We'll just kind of talk about like how this part of the movie feels. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll go from there. So what we're learning is that, I mean, this is Fran, you know, her boyfriend dumped her. Her parents are getting divorced. Her art is, nobody likes her art. You know, like everything is not going great for her. And this is kind of her last ditch effort. So she even says to to, Nil, uh, to Nils, and she's kind of like, hey, like, I want to get some painting. in," And he's like, you're not here to paint your stuff. You're here to paint my stuff. And he's like, from seven to seven, you're with me. And she's like, well, then is there somewhere I can paint at eight? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's like, whatever. Um so this is what I meant when I said that I wish there was more of this, is that throughout the movie, she'll describe things she sees, and she'll reference very famous art, uh, a seemingly very famous art uh, in into it. So, like, uh, one of the things that she sees is uh, this woman who is stocking milk behind uh, in, like, the grocery store thing, and she's in this very small space, and she was like, you know, I saw her, and she was beautiful. She was like the cherubs of of all the famous, you know, insert artist paintings. She was like, she was, you know, amazing. And here she is stuck in this small spell. Like, is she in detention too? Like, is she in prison like I am? Or am I just, you know, putting that? Am I just like feeling that? Uh, because that's how I feel. Um, and, you know, so she says that and then she mef- uh, references, you know, like a sunset. Uh She was like, oh, it's, you know, these colors. Like, I've never seen these type of colors before. But like, honestly, it only happens a couple of times throughout the movie for very specific things. So mm-hmm. one, the woman in the, the thing, one is a sunset. The other is uh this guy's eyes uh, that she sees later. And there's like one other and that's it. And I wish it would kind of do more of that because... The thing is, is I didn't feel the only, I guess my biggest criticism is I didn't feel her connection to art very much. It felt more about a story about her, like being a better person and not about her finding her art. I felt like the art was a very secondary experience. Interesting. And that's why I wish there was a little more of it. Like I wanted, I wanted to feel like she, like art was the most important thing in the world to her. And I didn't feel that.
1: Yeah, I got the uh the opposite. Really? That's yeah.
0: that's really interesting. Movies it is. are
1: fun like that. They wow. are.
0: I love that. Where you can experience different things. That's cool. Um yeah. So of course, she meets a cast of crazy characters along the way. One of which so she lives in uh basically a camper just outside of his house which is right on the ocean. Mm-hmm. And uh, it and the camper literally is right like on
1: the beach. Like which, It's I gotta admit, it's a, it's a it's a pretty gorgeous little spot. And it like is, and it's really overlooking charming. Overlooking the, the water and this, and like it, it's also important to mention that you know, the the name the Sunlit Night is uh, largely referring to the fact that she is in like the you know, extreme north during uh, summertime, so the sun never actually sets, and that. That plays a recurring role, both in the light that they use in in like the artwork, uh, but also in her trying to sleep in this tiny camper because the sun is coming directly through the the window above the bed.
0: Yep, at all times. Yep. Uh, which, when she enters the camper for the very first time, it's uh, it's written in red, uh, "Welcome to Hell" yeah. uh, on it, because obviously that was left by the previous apprentices. But again, like I think he could have been more overtly mean. To make me be like, oh, this is, you know, like, because there was a never, there was never a moment where she was like, this is why, you know, all, because like, actually, you know, come to think of it, like, he's the the manic pixie dream girl for her, (laughs) but also like, you don't really, like, he has no character growth at all. Like, there's nothing, like, I guess, it like, in a little bit, like, we see kind of a nice thing about him, but, like, he is, he's almost a, a prop. He's not even, like, a person.
1: I, I wouldn't say that his character has growth so much as he does thaw a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. like,
1: that again, it's played up so heavily how, like, cold and distant and, like, unf- uh, unfriendly, unwelcoming he is. But, like, over time, he does start to, like, he'll make you know like he, he invites her like into the main house where he'd previously told her it was off limits and he invites her to to have dinner with him uh or like you know they go shopping together for for supplies for that dinner and he tries to tries to be helpful she's stubborn about not knowing the 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 language and not knowing exactly what she picked out she's stubborn about it but he tries to be helpful uh there's a point where he he does get kind of shitty and like tries to like basically like grab her arm and like no you do it like this cuz he's like he's criticizing her, her technique and she freaks out rightfully so don't you know right. don't ever touch me and storms off you know he leaves a uh you know f- f- some flowers in one of his empty beer cans outside the you know the trailer uh or like he'll just come and sit with her like he takes some of her boxed wine and sits and like reads from the, the paper to her and then it's like thanks for the wine and like it's there's no real growth to it you just start to see a little bit more of who he actually is and not just this closed off like i don't care who you are i don't want to know you sort of thing
0: yeah, and you know, he there there's a really great line where um she it's like towards the it's actually like the end of them painting this barn and she's sitting there and she's lining stuff up and he goes your eye has improved a lot since mm-hmm. you got here. You know, implying like her her artistic eye. Uh and she was like, "Oh, oh, well, thank you." Um yeah, I mean it's not like this he's not Yoda, you know, like he no. doesn't actually teach her anything about art. Like, she kind of rediscovers it herself. I do kind of like that, but I wish... I just kind of wish there was it like leaned into it a little more. Now, don't get me wrong; like I am criticizing like these aspects of this movie. I love this movie. This Mm -hmm. was a really great movie, and it was really touching at the end. And I I I really love a lot of the elements. And we're gonna talk about one of the other major plot points in a minute. Um, I do really like this movie. I just I wanted I want more (laughs) of it. I wanted more of it.
1: Well, again, this is this is one of those rare movies that was a little on the the shorter side that could potentially have been longer if they'd wanted to explore the the space a little bit more um one of the 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 places where she does get to to have a a chance to like to grow and really like find herself as an artist that same woman that is stocking the the uh refrigerator in the the grocery store she just comes right and says like i want to paint you and the woman's like okay. And just like, let's go literally just like walk away great. from work right then and there. Uh, and then they get to the, the trailer and, you know, um, friends like, yeah, just right over there by the bed. And she's like, okay. And just like, uh, like Fran turns away to grab her brushes or whatnot. And she turns back around and the woman is just completely naked. And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just proceeds to, to paint her like this. And she does this really interesting thing where like, you know, we've seen her like up until this point in the, the movie, struggling to see um, Nils's vision for the, the barn and thinking of it as like a paint by numbers. And like, you know, she's like, you know, it's, it's a coloring book and I like to, to finger paint and this sort of thing. Like, I don't like to stay inside the lines. It's stifling my creativity. Sort of a little bit of, like a, almost a hint of brattiness, but like, they don't try to play that up, which I appreciate because that would have just been weird for her character. Uh, but just a little bit of like a rebellious, like, that's not me at all. Uh, and she, you know, over time she starts to like appreciate it. She starts to realize that, you know, like that the, it's more of like a geometry problem than it is like a paint by numbers. And like the the use of color is building to something. And so she kind of explores that after like a few false starts trying to, to paint something her own. She sits down to paint this woman and she just picks one color. She picks a blue and like does a whole study of, of this woman in blue. And then the woman comes back and she does it again in green and then she comes back and does it in yellow or something like that. She just goes through like, these monochromatic paint. Actually, she never does use yellow because yellow is the the color of painting the uh, the barn. So yeah, it's, it's like green, blue, blue red. I think, I think it's green, blue, and red. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like she just does these monochromatic studies, and they're all very similar, uh, but they all capture like a slightly different angle and a slightly different mood from the the woman. Uh, and I think that that's that's really neat that that's the direction she goes, which does in a way kind of borrow from the experience that she's had. Learning with with Nils in this massive art project of the the barn.
0: Yeah, I and you you can see that. I mean, I guess this is. I'm very conflicted because I don't want to be handheld through movies. You know, where someone's like, "See, this is what she learned." But at the mm-hmm. same point, I kind of wanted to see a little more of that trial and error. Like, I kind of wanted. I kind of wanted to feel the aha moment a little more. And it's you don't really get to see it until the end of the movie, which is okay. Um, but I, I don't know. I guess I wanted more of that, but I'm I was still satisfied with yeah. I was still satisfied with it. Um. So so there's two other uh things about this. So one, you know, we made the joke earlier, but their uh, goats keep constantly getting into her cabin, which is and, adorable, which is amazing. I and she like came in and there's just goats everywhere, and I'm just like. This seems like heaven. If, if like, heaven were real, it would be a camper on the ocean filled with goats. Like, that, to me, sounds <laughs> great. <laughs> like, I have zero complaints uh, with that.
1: It is, it is adorable. And uh, I think it's one in particular, like, one of the, the youngest that just, like, keeps getting it. She's just like, that, no, get. get. And eventually um, she just picks it up and
0: just starts petting it and stuff. Which I th- which I also would do. I'd be like, "Come here, let me love you." Yes, I have pajamas for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> goats and pajamas. Goat pajamas. Uh, and then the other thing is this uh, Viking uh, Renaissance fair. Basically, which it's it's like a Viking uh, is thing.
1: real. Is a real thing. It's re- I found it. The the Viking village of Borg. Uh, okay. And the uh, the Viking museum. Uh, these are real things. I've been looking around the map, also trying to see if I could find the. The the barn, but it may or may not be actually real and it may or may not even be anywhere near this. Like they made it seem as though it's like a stone's throw from the Viking Village, but I couldn't, I can't find it. Uh, But that means nothing. But it's real. And as soon as I saw Viking Village, I was like... Oh, that's got to be where Zach Galifianakis is. There's no way he's not at the Viking Village.
0: (laughs) And Zach Galifianakis is, in fact, uh, from the Viking Village. And this really great thing is... She, you know, was wandering through the village and, you know, they see people like dying yarns, you know, dying, dying, you know, like living like Vikings do. Um, And she's, you know, doing her art thing, like all these colors, like I've never seen that, like look at the way they do that, like she's finding art in these normal everyday things that people Mm -hmm. are doing. Um and she you know she meets a guy who is you know like a blacksmith and she was like this this is amazing like you know what is this and he's explaining, and in walks uh, uh Zach Alphinakis, and you know he drops down a thing and he's like he's like you know who who are you and she's like oh he's the tour guide he's like I'm the chief I'm the chief of this <laughs> village, and she was like where are you from and he's like cincinnati (laughs) it's just great because he's not you know trying to be a a norwegian person or something and i thought that was absolutely wonderful and we learned that basically he has just devoted his life to living as a viking in this village um you know that that does you know uh, recreations of uh the village life uh, of viking life And uh, it's just a weird scenario where he was like, and that's the type of thing a person would say when they don't understand what we're trying to do here. And she's like,
1: sorry. It's kind of a perfect role for him because it it sits in that like vaguely uncomfortable line between serious and satire that he loves to straddle.
0: Yeah, I mean, like it is... It is perfectly that sort of like in between two ferns, like Mm -hmm. I'm with a straight face, absolutely insulting you, but you want to laugh so badly. (laughs) Like that's exactly the character he's playing. (laughs) Uh, It's like just this absurdist character. I love it. Um, yeah, so you know, she learns about that and and that kind of is a bigger thing. Now there's a there's a larger part to that is uh eventually what we learn is uh we see this uh boy, um well, guy uh guy, you know he's he's, you know, a man, he's probably in his uh 30s um uh who is played by Alex Sharp uh and he plays the character of Yasha um who comes to this same village uh because, his father has died, but his father decided to live out his last days in this Viking village.
1: Um <laughs> well, they're like, Was your was your father Norwegian? No, Russian, but but he just wanted to he, he, he starts to say he wanted to die here, and he's like, No, no, he wanted to rest here.
0: Yeah. Um it, it's great. So so Yash is there to mourn his father's death. Uh and and Fran recognizes him. She's like, I know you, don't you? And he's like, no. And she was like, oh, and they have this sort of back and forth. And eventually we learned that they both were in Brooklyn, that his dad, you know, from moved from Russia to Brooklyn, mm-hmm. opened up a bakery. Uh, and they, you know, would, would make the stuff all day. And she, that's another thing where she finds the art in that.
1: Yeah. There's a, a really great scene that actually just shows Yasha working in the bakery and like, just to see like the, both like art and craft and science, I guess I said both, but that was three things uh, of baking. But you see like how he just is in this rhythm and, you know, you see the the beauty in making something out of nothing like that. And we, we hear her um, monologue over this kind of describing how she's realizing like, this is, this is more art than most artists do in a lifetime that he does in a day. Uh, And I think that that's really interesting. And, There, it really is just truly a story of like this son mourning his father. There's like it's not like you know oh we had a complex relationship and this is what he wanted and I'm just here to do this and like he's like no it's like I don't I don't I don't know what to do like this was my entire world like we learned that his mother uh, stayed behind in Russia never came to uh, to Brooklyn with them and so he you know fell out of touch with her. It just had this like really, really close bond with his father. And now it's just not there. And like, we see this, like this guy is just lost.
0: Yeah. I, I did like that too, that it wasn't this, like the typical, you know, my dad wanted me to be a baker, but I wanted to blot. He was just like, no, like I admired my dad more than like he was every, like that you, we see them having great experiences. He says how much he learned from them. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and now he's just gone. He's just mm-hmm. gone. Um and I thought that was great. I I you know, much different than our story from from last week. Uh it was like that.
1: But the mom is, is played. It is extremely important that we mention that the mom is Jillian Anderson and even more important that we mention that Jillian Anderson has dyed her hair red for this movie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and has her Russian accent. Jillian like, Anderson she has
1: all of three lines this whole movie and uh it's it's like somehow she's embodying Dana Scully and Natasha Romanoff in the same character, and I don't know how, but like, fuck, <laughs> it's just it was great. Yeah, I, it,
0: literally. I mean, both Zach uh, Zach Galifianakis and Jillian Anderson have very small roles in this movie. I mean, they probably shot their scenes in in a day, like together. Um, because, I mean, she literally is only in, like, maybe five minutes of the movie, and it's still a fantastic five minutes.
1: They're both these, like, very large presences in a very small, like, bit of the movie. Yeah. Uh, And... I think it's it's really interesting because there's so much put into like how like vast this landscape is, like how wide open everything is, and yet like you know everyone else feels nor- kind of normal size, even this like big important artist, but these two just come rolling through a room like they're like fucking a mountain. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah.
0: It was. Yeah. Uh, Gillian Anderson's character and Gillian Anderson's character and Zach Elfanax's, uh character actually interact. And it's great. Like, you <laughs> yes. can just see two fantastic actors for their type of crafts. You know, Gillian Anderson, I would say, is a better actor than Zach Galifianakis in oh, terms yeah. of range. Um, but seeing the two of them in these roles, which are great for them, for for like a minute, was <laughs> just miraculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, so... You know, obviously, you know where this story is going. So Yasha and Fran, you know, end up kind of hooking up, um, but it really isn't like it's not the forefront of the story. And in fact, them them like getting together. So this is this is, I guess, our 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 standard thing where like the thing had to go wrong moment. You know, where like the conflict, the climax had to happen. Yeah, <laughs> no pun <laughs> intended. So what happens is um they've finally finished the barn, right? She's gone through this whole time and you can kind of see a little bit of the growth and they finally finished the barn. And this is his moment where he's like, hey, you do the last finishing things, you know, do the last couple of bits, take down all the stuff and get it prepped for the art inspectors to come in. Right. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, I can do that. And... um uh Alex or uh, uh, Yasha, because Alex Sharp is the guy um, yeah. who plays Yasha, who he was in a couple of things. He was in um the trial of the Chicago Seven, and he was in the movie The Hustle. Uh he plays uh Thomas Westerberg uh in that. Uh that was the one with Annie Hathaway and uh Rebel Wilson. Yes,
1: which I wanted to see and, and missed. It was it was fun. It was silly, but it was it, fun. It looked yeah. silly and I, yeah. I liked that.
0: Yeah. It, I mean, it was, it was, it was fun. Uh, it wasn't great, but it was fun. Um, but anyway, so she's like, yeah, okay. I can prep it. And they kind of like, they do that thing where he was like, oh yeah, the reason why I'm having you finish it is because I'm too nervous. So I'm going to go get drunk and I just really can't be there. But it's also like subtly hinted that it's because he finally trusts her to do a thing, you know, like this is his, you know, like, Hey, thanks for helping me. I mm-hmm. trust you to do the thing. And I knew that as soon as the two of them, uh, her and Yasha were in the room and they started like kissing and making out and laying down, I was like, she's gonna dump paint or something. Like something bad is gonna go wrong and it's gonna fuck up the barn and that's gonna be the the thing that, you know, uh, everybody hates me, now I gotta redeem myself type thing. Um, but what actually happens is, so they uh, they have sex and, uh, are laying there, uh, uh naked uh, post coital and in walks Nils and the art inspectors and the place isn't ready yet. You know, there's still like all of the, the tarps hanging and she's laying there and she's like, Oh shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: Which I love uh, another thing about them setting it during the eternal summer. Uh, is that you can't tell how much time has passed. Like, did they just finish and are just, like, cuddling, or did they, like, fall asleep and it's the next day? Like, we right. don't know, because, like, Nils leaves in, like, his, like, working clothes and comes back like, in, like, full suit with two other men in suits. They were the, the inspectors, and, like, they were supposed to come tomorrow. Is it tomorrow, or did they show up early? We don't know. Yeah, I that was really interesting that it was
0: very hard to tell the passage of time because also the other thing is that she's uh she was scheduled to be there for the entire summer. Um, we do know that uh, she so after this whole instance and you know she's like, I'm sorry. I really fucked things up. She goes back home to Brooklyn, mm-hmm. uh, which she also goes there because it's her sister's wedding at this yeah. point. So we, the inference is that it's been a couple of months that she's been there for for at least a month. I think it was.
1: Yeah, there's a couple of really great time lapse scenes where they show the the barn slowly being done from the exterior, and like yep. there's also a couple more where they just kind of show the sun. Never actually rising or setting. <laughs> right, right. It basically just uh, does does de loops in the sky uh, on this on this landscape. And yeah, there, there's there's an implied uh, passage of time throughout the movie, but we don't really like see defined time, which I think yeah. is, was really interesting.
0: And nobody ever says like, "Oh, that was three weeks ago," or "Oh, mm-hmm. I've been here for so long now." Like it never like at least not that, that I remember. Nobody ever like states time. Yeah, um, which I think is interesting, and also what I think of is is interesting is aside from a few characters, uh, names were barely used. Uh, like I didn't even know some of the characters' names until be- only I only knew them because of the subtitles. Because it was very rare. Like Yasha uh, also was Yakov in the subtitles, but they only ever say Yasha's name once. We only ever hear Fran's name once. Um, uh, we don't ever hear the mom's name, but they do ha- she does have a name. Um, and like we only know Nils is because of of that. So, like, I-, I thought it was pretty interesting. Like, everybody has names, but I feel like they weren't used the way you normally see in movies.
1: The store employee/slash model was in the subtitles just as Fridge Girl, and I'm trying to see if that's how they actually credited. Yep, La Louise Ness, uh, it's just is Fridge, Fridge Girl. Girl.
0: That's great, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, she's at, uh, the wedding at this point, uh, the dad gets up and, you know, basically is like, I don't know why you're marrying this guy. Like you've, you've gone and done it and you're going to be unhappy, but he makes this, this speech. And I, I I don't know, you know, exactly how he says it, but he basically implies like, you've made this decision, you know, you've chosen this misery, but like, it's up to you to make yourself happy. Like, you marrying this person isn't going to make you happy. You have to, to make yourself happy.
1: I, I like the line, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it wrong, I'm sure, but it says something like, like you know, nobody else uh, picked this for you. Like, you picked this man, you picked this life, and any misery is your fault. But any happiness, well, that's up to you.
0: Yeah. And just, I like, love the, that's the, the way yeah.
1: he says that, like, cause it sounds like he's like, cause this whole time, like he's been railing against Scott Glennie. Uh, and he even like when he, you know, t- he talks to Fran later in the movie, he's like, have you, have you heard about the, the wedding? It's at the Bowery on the 22nd of September. IRSVP. No, I don't want anything to do with this. Scott Glennie. I've, I've had enough of him, or some, you know, some shit like that. Um, and so it looks like he's getting up to like make a drunken speech ranting about the the groom and he turns it into like, this really heartwarming thing about like recognizing that the you know the good and the bad and, like uh, you know uh, there's a, a fair amount of that that is entirely up to you to to make happen uh and i think that that's really interesting and you see also like Without it coming into like a like totally all about me moment like a lot of movies will really awkwardly do and I kind of hate uh, you see him imply that he's made a terrible mistake separating from from his wife from Fran and Gabby's mother uh, uh, but like he doesn't actually say it but then later you see them kind of like sitting next to each other and there's a little tender moment where she you know, leans his, leans her head on him. No, no, no. Yeah, I liked that. I, I think that was sweet. Because again, there's like, there's no real resolution to any of this. But there's there's implied that like, life is going to continue.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so the last two big things that happen in the end of the movie is you know we we see that she basically leaves. Immediately after the art inspection thing and her being found, you know, like kind of embarrassing herself, found naked with this guy, she just leaves. She just packs up her shit and leaves, never speaks to Nils at all. And she's like, you know, says like, ah, oh, he'll never speak to me again. But one day I got a a letter, you know, an envelope with a lot of postage on it. And inside the letter is just a map and with a big arrow and a circle around you know Nils Auberman's, uh you know yellow barn or, or the sunlit night barn or whatever um and so she was like oh and you made it and uh the last thing we see in the movie is uh the art critics uh again she's in the same you know same scene as the very first scene and they are seeing the the red uh, blue green uh drawings of of the of the fridge girl And they're just like fawning over it. They're just like, "Wow, like she's grown so much. Like this is Mm -hmm. amazing." Someone's like, "This is, you know, like I feel like I know this girl. Mm -hmm. Like she's she's so perfect. Like every, you know, like look, I can feel everything she's feeling in this, and it was amazing." And you know, she's kind of like, "I
1: found it," and thus ends our movie. Uh, There's a a little bit of a a little bit of a dig from one of the critics. Like, do you think you can keep this up now that you're back? Uh, Yeah, something like that. (laughs) And she's just,
0: hmm. uh, it was great. So uh, uh, how would I rewrite this? I-, I think I just would add more, uh, I would just put in a little more of her love for art or her more of her journey with art in line with I still wanted to see her journey as a person. I still want to see everything that happened. I just would love to have seen it more overtly tied to her as an artist, but I'm fine with how it was.
1: I'm torn between wondering if she should have tried more paintings and like, we see her like starting something and failing or like starting something and like not being happy with it. And like, you know, growing that way versus the number of times we see her just basically like staring at a canvas and never painting anything until she gets the inspiration from, from the fridge girl. I don't know if that would have been any better or not, I honestly, as, as much as I like nitpicked on, on them in the beginning, I don't know that I would take out the elements of like her comparing the, the world to art because that is her character. It felt a little heavy-handed and a little bit like niche. Like you have to care about this world to care about this scene or this character, but it's also kind of an unfair criticism because a lot of movies do something like that, where they take something that the character is like deeply connected to and they make references throughout. And I don't think that I've ever mocked that or picked on that. So it's unfair. Um, I would, uh, I, I wouldn't have added more. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take them out.
0: Yeah. I, I bet you, uh, I bet you the, the novel goes into greater detail of her struggle with converting
1: That would of like her
0: journey with art. I bet you it goes into a lot more detail because I definitely could see they probably spend a lot more time in Norway. Uh,
1: There's a it's 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 supposed to be this whole love story, and uh, this I, I actually appreciated that the movie doesn't really feel like a love story. The movie feels like again like moments in time. Like she doesn't have this deeply passionate like lifelong love at first sight thing with Yasha. It's more just like. Here's this guy, he's hurting, I'm in a weird place, we meet, we connect, we have a fling, we both leave. And that's that. It. That was just a thing that happened. And yeah. I, I like that for, for her character, and I like that just as storytelling because it's real. Um, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, with, with more time to tell the story, I think that they probably would have gone further down that route. I, I would be shocked if the book doesn't. Uh, I think that's that's one of the things that we you know, we said earlier that this movie could have been a little bit longer if it wanted to be. Uh, and that could have been more of just exploring literally just her either like you know, looking for inspiration in the, the scenery or like starting to paint things, like exploring art more before deciding that like this color study of Fridge Girl was what was you know really gonna bring her out of the funk.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um so should you watch this movie? Yes. Uh, I think this is a great indie film. Um I think it's uh I think it's definitely one of those films that you you kind of uh, live the journey with them and kind of you know as as we've even said, you know between Caleb and I is like we we kind of feel different things by watching this movie mm-hmm. and I definitely feel like this is one of those movies this this director is one of those movies that he never says he never like says like And this is how you're supposed to feel, Mm -hmm. and this is what is happening. Like you know, as we saw, and as we even said with "Look Who's Talking," is that it's there. The message is there, and you can kind of feel it. And you come away with like I came away from this movie thinking about it like a lot. Where I was like, yeah, yeah, like oh yeah. When you know, one of the things that inspires was this and this and that, as opposed to you know another movie where I'm like yeah, I know what happened. You told me what happened. I watched it happen and then you wrapped it up in a nice bow. Like this movie, yeah. it just, it gives you the moments and you kind of feel them at your own pace.
1: Yeah. This honestly, th- this is some of my favorite like type of storytelling in that like things don't necessarily need to have a resolution. And it doesn't need to necessarily have what would be considered to be a, a good ending or a happy ending in order to be the right ending. Uh, and, like, it, it, like not only does this movie do that as a whole, but, like, individual scenes have that. Like, yeah. individual, like, moments and conflicts and whatnot are not wrapped up in a bow. They're not, like, you know, it's not like watching a sitcom where, like, Every episode, they have to make sure that they they tie up that that conflict, that you know, manufactured argument that the characters had, or that like yeah. you know something came between the the you know, the protagonists sort of thing, and that's got to be fixed by the end. Like no, like because that's not that's not real, right? Yeah, and like we we can imply that maybe the parents uh, patch things up and get back together, but maybe they don't. Yeah, Uh, we can imply that Gabby is truly happy with Scott Glenny, but maybe she settled.
0: Yeah, and maybe uh, uh, Fran never paints a better, a good painting again. Like this was just a whiff of inspiration from
1: the moment. Uh, I mean, there's honestly, there's a moment early on when we first see Yasha where he stomps halfway across a bridge and looks like he's gonna jump off because we we mentioned like he's lost, he's alone now maybe he still feels that way. Maybe like yeah. this moment, like the Viking funeral and the uh, you know, summer fling with a pretty girl from the States, like maybe that wasn't the closure that he was seeking. And like, he still feels lost. That's probably true. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I love that. You just don't know. And I, I love the, like, it. it's just, it's human storytelling and it's really fucking well done. So yes, you should watch this movie.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, So thanks a lot for listening, everyone. Hey, if you have not hit that subscribe button or follow or whatever, uh, make sure to do that. We have brand new episodes every Thursday and Sunday. Thursday are our bonus episodes where we kind of talk about whatever's going on in, uh, in, in the entertainment world. And then on Sundays is our brand new movie. Uh, episode. And if you are able to, go ahead and leave us a rating and review. So if you're on Apple or Spotify, uh, leave a rating and review. Uh, it's super helpful for us. It's super easy for you to do. And it's immensely helpful for us. If you're not on any of those sites, uh, you could also leave us a rating and review on Podchaser. Um, Podchaser is a, a really cool uh, a website and app. It just kind of lets you see the credits it's kind of like imdb of podcasts Mm. uh and then of course there's another great app called good pods uh which is more of like uh the goodreads or instagram of podcasts you can listen to all your shows from there you can also leave us a rating and review on that uh app i mean pretty much anywhere you see our show and if it offers you to rate and review it just do it 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 would be cool we would it's, appreciate it if you did. It's helpful. Um, but then, of course, if you can't do any of those things, make sure to share with 100,000 of your closest friends.
1: It's literally the least you could do.
0: I mean, minimum. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. And we will see you next time. Yeah.
1: A father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts, and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.